will increase your efficiency 20% if you learn to do the tough things first, the ones you don't want to do. Ray Zinn now imparts his management philosophy in Tough Things First. In this series, Zinn covers it all from the essence of human happiness. If you're going to make it a consistent practice of working Saturdays just because you think you've got to work 80 hours a week to be successful, you're, you're just flat out wrong. To the downside of venture capital. People said, well, don't sweat the small things. Well, I guarantee if you don't sweat the small things, the big things are going to become a mess. And the essence of entrepreneurial discipline. Don't want to wait until you jump off the cliff to grab a parachute. Now here's Ray Zinn, Silicon Valley's longest-serving CEO. Rob Artigo here once again, your host for this edition of the Tough Things First podcast. I'm an entrepreneur in California. Great to be back here again, Ray, for another great podcast. Well, good to be with you again, Rob. I'm grateful that you're able to do these with me. See, Rob was a, used to be a radio announcer, and so he's, he's been able to, to go in and, and, and really hone his skills in this area. Well, I, I'm glad I can put them to some use helping you out here on Tough Things First. I'm a big fan of what you do and, and uh, you know, I always get a lot from your knowledge and experience. Let's just jump right into it, Ray. Let's talk about proof of concept as it relates to structured experimentation, finding out what, what fails and what works, but using those results to learn and grow and optimize to make a product that actually works and is is a profitable product in other words you you've proven it it's viable i know on shark tank they often ask you well what's your revenues that's a almost the first question out of their mouth is is a well what are, what kind of revenues you have you know what's what's been experienced so far uh and that's part of the proof of concept some of them say well we're pre-introduction you know we're we're just ramping up that's not proof of concept proof of concept is when you've actually gone out and has developed a viable product that has been proven. Proven means that it, it has been accepted and, and uh, the bugs have been primarily worked out. That's the, the best kind. Uh, if, if you're going to be, you know, pre-proof of concept, uh, that then, of course, there's a lot of questions come up. Well, then, you know, what's the market? You know, what's the, what are, what, what are you, who are your competitors? How are they doing? You know, it's it's more of a longer uh, um, you know explanation than if you get, if you get in and have a structured experimentation, which means you've uh, you've already developed a proof of concept. I mean, you've developed the concept. You you now you're going out and you've proven it. So that's that that term that you really want want to use is proof of concept. It's adapting the experimental model to your project. In other words, asking serious questions if you go to pitch somebody with shark tank or something else someone else they're going to expect you to have answers because they're going to say well what happens if and what uh what do you do when there's no power what do you do when there's you know when you run out of uh food or or product or supporting products you know you don't have the the ball bearings that are that'll make this thing operate what do you what are you going to do? All these things are part of your experiment, right? Well, it's that, again, that structured experimentation is nothing more than proof of concept. So you say, okay, here's, here is the idea and here's the proof behind the idea to support it. So if you're not there, if you haven't done that, then of course you're, you're going to, you know, you're probably not going to get funded at Mike the company that I founded in 1978, 
we had this thing called a PDP, which is a product definition proposal. In other words, they had to come in with a package that defined the product. Here's the, here's the idea. Here's the definition of that product. Uh, here's the market for it. Here's the competition. Here's what it's going to cost to develop it. And here's what the, the, the uh, development time period and then the production time period looks like. Uh, and so it was a very important document. It was uh, one that uh, all the marketing guys that, that uh, work for me, they dreaded having to do these PDPs because, you know, you had to set before the committee as you would. And, and, and you had to just like a, like a shark tank, you know, here, 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 help me fund it. The um, product definition proposal is, is really the, the same concept of, of, of what we're talking about, this structured experimentation or proof of concept. And so you, you have to show the viability in this product definition proposal. And, and, and um, it, it, our company was, you know, 30 something years old or whatever, 20 something years old when we were, I take that back, we were like 10 years old when we started this PDP uh, process. Uh, so, but that's that, that's that uh, proof of concept. In other words, here's my idea. And, um, and so here, please, please fund it. Well, we talked about cryptocurrencies recently on this podcast and FTX, the big collapse of that company. You can, you can go back further to Theranos and you can go back for much further to Enron. And uh, if, you're, if you're working through creating products, let's say you go through the process of this product experiment. And you're asking all these questions to test your product viability and everything else you've already described. What about asking yourself the question, could what I'm testing be unethical? Well, that's, that's again, goes into that product definition proposal that I'm talking about, because you, you need to define it in sufficient detail that it shows that this is not something that is a, a pig in a poke, as they say. This, this is something that is really viable, ethical, and, and substantial. Again, a lot, a lot of companies do, do it fly by night. You know, they're just what they call fly by night op, uh, proposals. I've seen a few of those that have come across my desk, uh, what I call a fly by night proposal, which is, you know, that's the stealth type, type, which sounds a little bit unethical, as you would, uh, being stealthy, uh, unless you, you don't want the enemy to, to see you. Um, but uh, anyway, um, that's what we call fly by night. Uh, so um, I don't like fly, I didn't like fly by night proposals because they look too stealthy to me. Too, in other words, there's something hidden here that I should know about. And uh, of course, they would never admit their fly by night. Uh, but when I would, when our committee would dig into it, then we would say, okay, this this looks a little a little unethical. Like for example, in my company, my crow. Uh, if we were uh, having some um, patent issues, conflicts where the product looked like it was infringing on, on a patent, that to me is unethical. And even though the proposal might say, "Oh no, it's there's no product, there's no patent infringement," um, I would say, "Has a patent search been done? You know, is there any opportunity for for for, for a patent infringement problem?" And, uh, and and they'd have to prove it. They'd have to show how we're not infringing or how this is not unethical. 
Yeah, your practice at my corral for that 37 years was to, when people were coming up with ideas or presenting ideas to you, and they you often asked them to make a list of the pluses and minuses, usually they would give short shrift to the minuses. And you said, no, go out and look for more minuses. Certainly right. a, um, a potential lawsuit related to infringement on a patent yeah. would be a minus. Right. And then how are you going to get around the patent? As you pointed out, there has to be equal number of pluses and minuses on the proposal. They could always come up with all the pluses. They were or the pros, as they say, but they couldn't come up with the cons and the minuses. They just they would struggle, struggle, struggle. The reason is because they didn't want to find any. And you're not going to find something you're not going to look for. So if they didn't have an equal number of minuses or, or cons for the, for the proposal, I, I, I wouldn't even read it. I mean, I, the first thing I look for is the pros and cons uh, and, or, the, or the pluses and minuses. And, and if I didn't see an equal number of minuses, then I would not even consider the proposal. Would you start out in your process of structured experimentation on something with this kind of list, pluses and minuses? Absolutely. I mean, uh, if, if they, well, they have to know, they knew up front that there was many, that I was looking for more, as, as many pluses or minuses as I did pluses or, or pros or cons as I do pros. So we always did that. That was, and they just, that was a struggle for them because they hate the list of cons because they're afraid that we would dig into it. In other words, if there are more and certain minuses were there, there were flags, you know, like patent infringement was a, was a minus. Uh, and, and so then that required more digging. And of course, there's no marketing person that wants their, their, their minuses to, to show up. In other words, to, to, to come out blaring, you know, like patent infringement or, or some other dishonest or unethical thing. So, um, uh, but Again, I, 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 I'm serious. I, I required as many minuses as I did pluses. Uh, and if the pluses outweigh the minuses, not in quantity, but in quality, then you went ahead with it. You said, okay, the quality of the pluses have to be stronger than the quality or the non-quality of the minuses. We always look for what are the negatives? Because that means, if they, if I, in other words, if they have a sufficient number of negatives to off, offset their positives, that means they, they've looked into it more. There, there's better structured experimentation, as you say. Yeah, and it it has to be something that starts at the beginning, or you you end up you know leaving out something. And and I I do like thinking about you know the the ethical factors in it. If I'm you know my military experience, one of the things that I would do is I would okay, well here's my here's my plan. This is what this is my plan, but. Here is what I think could happen. Right. It, you know, the, here's what I think could happen. And then and you go, what do you mean? Well, I'm not trying to tell you don't do this. I think this is the best plan. Uh, but I, you know, but I want you to know that before we do it, let's let's talk about what do we do if. That's the what if thing. That's the what we always, especially in, in, in military uh, strategies, you know, plans, you know, these war game plans, these strategies that they come up with, they have to say the what ifs. What if this or what if that, you know? Honestly, most, if you watch Shark Tank, you know, they ask more negatives. They really do. I mean, they, they focus so much on the negatives, you hardly ever, ever hear the positives. 
that's why they say, well, I'm out, you know, they'll, you know, there's, I don't know, five or six sharks on, on, on the panel. And, and inevitably, you know, 90% of the time, at least two or three, half of them are going to be out. I say, well, I'm out because of this or this, this is, doesn't, doesn't fit my strategy. I can't, I don't see how I can help or blah, 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 you know? So they always, they, they focus more on the negatives than they do the positives. And they like presenters um, who have thought through the negatives. They really do. That's the one that seems to light them up the most are the ones where the people have really thought through what some of the what ifs. Yeah, the snappy responses. If you're, if they propose a question and you don't have to think about the answer, then then they like that too right. because they know that you've done that critical analysis because there's always the danger that in your process that you don't want to hear the negatives because your uh, your own personal confirmation biases that you just want to you want to know that it's good and you want people to tell you it's it's good. I think that hearing a negative doesn't mean something's not good. What you're going to do is you're going to take a serious consideration of those factors that may have a negative impact on your progress. And so that's well, where your that's where your money's going to come from. I mean your money's going to come from what you that you convincing people that you've got a handle on all these things because they're the like you said the shark tank. They the first thing they do is they go, "Well, look, here's the here's the problems with this." Uh, do you have a solution for that? Oh, well, you know what? Uh, yeah, okay, all right. Well, I'm out for that reason. You turn a negative into a positive. That's that's what they're looking for. Yeah. Yeah, because you've learned something from it or or uh, it has made your you product stronger. Yeah. 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 You've done it's the it looks it just as something as simple as as building a wall. You've got um, you're putting up a wall, you've got your 2 by 4s and you're putting everything together and somebody says, "Hey, Let's put this support here. And somebody else says, well, you know, you put that support there. That's great. But you've got to add a support over here because this is going to make this area too heavy or something. For example, in the cryptocurrency story, yeah. mm -hmm. okay, or the TFX or FTX, I'm sorry. What they could do is, is show how they're regulating themselves. In other words, saying, okay, here, here's, a, here's how we are regulating ourselves and make it sound believable. In other words, turning a negative into a positive because regulations are considered negatives take the negative and you make it a positive by saying here here's how we're going to regulate our company and our and our business and and that and as long as it's it sounds like it's viable you know people will, people will invest yeah as long as they know you've considered the negative right viability and uh, surviving all those questions are keys to making your proposal to investors stick i think so for your Listeners, Ray, out there in uh, podcast land who are, you know, probably have a special platform that they are involved with and uh, that they are regularly listening to, whether it's at the uh, TTF website or, you know, some other uh, podcast source. Usually there's an ability, you have the ability to rate the podcast. Please do. Mm -hmm. Uh Ray appreciates that, and uh, it's a fast-growing podcast across Silicon Valley, and we like to keep it that way. So keep everyone else informed and let them know how much you enjoy this podcast and that uh, we do occasionally do the video podcasts, which are also quite popular. So please do check us out at toughthingsfirst.com. You can find links to Ray's social media at toughthingsfirst.com and also more on the book series Zen of Zen 
and the book Tough Things First. The uh, Zen of Zen series, by the way, with three books, the third one just out uh, is a series of books on entrepreneurship, leadership, management, and also discipline, determination, and, uh, you know, really about life. The Zen of Zen books. Thanks, Ray. Thank you, Rob. Good to be with you. Sure. You've been listening to Tough Things First, candid talk with Silicon Valley's longest-serving CEO, Ray Zinn. Drop by the contact page at toughthingsfirst.com for more about the book, more podcasts, and links to Ray's Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn pages to keep up with Ray Zinn's wisdom daily.